You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. So, the cool kid outfit. Let me tell you why I'm wearing a cool kid outfit. It's because I'm going to talk about hashtags today. Okay, so two hashtags I want to talk about. In the last decade, there's two hashtags that have been pretty popular. One of them is this, hashtag dysfunction junction. I know I said it, that's a hipster voice in my opinion. Dysfunction Junction, super popular right now. It's really interesting because our friends in the internet tell us the word dysfunction actually wasn't that popular until the last decade. It's always been a word, but it has never been a word with quite as much popularity as it has in the last decade. And do you want to know where it gets used the most? When referring to family, when referring to marriages, when referring to, honestly, this season, oh my goodness, I'm dreading Thanksgiving because I'm telling you, my family's just hashtag dysfunction junction. Come on, that word gets a bit of a workout in regard to family life. So that's one hashtag. Let me talk to you about another cool hashtag that the kids are using these days. This one's called hashtag goals. Has anyone said that? Yeah, come on, admit it. You're cool. So let me, let me show you an example of how hashtag goals would work. I'd be like, hey, Justin, those shoes are totally hashtag goals. Hey, Sean, your hair, hashtag goals. Hey, Rudy. Oh, I know. No, no. <laughs> you know what? Your dancing is hashtag goals. That man, maybe later. I don't know. You can, you can have him dance. But hashtag goals is that thing that the cool kids say to say, hey, something that you are or something that you have is of a standard that it's a high goal that I want to achieve. So in the terms of relationship, you might see this hashtag. Hashtag couple goals, hashtag mum goals, hashtag family goals. Two different hashtags. Hashtag dysfunction junction, hashtag goals. Two very popular hashtags, two totally different stories of origin. Let me ask you, which hashtag would you prefer to be said about your family? That's the right answer. It was a test you passed. Well done. That's right. Hashtag goals. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk about the fact that every one of us in this room doesn't want their family to be in dysfunction. I think everybody in here would love to say about themselves or say about um, their own family that, hey, you know what? My, my, Family is hashtag goals. My marriage is hashtag goals. My parenting is hashtag goals. Not out of a place of pride, but out of a, 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 a place of knowing that you have done everything you can to make your marriage, your family life, your whatever it looks like in those relationships, the best that it can be. Can I just say this before we get started? There is not a person in this room that hasn't had to deal with some element of dysfunction in their room. Whether it's a sprinkle or a tsunami of dysfunction, I'm telling you, every human on this planet has to to process dysfunction. Why do I know that? Is because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you know what sin does? It actually gives us a gateway to dysfunction. When, where there's sin, there's dysfunction. You know, that's just not my opinion. Let's look at what the Bible says right in Genesis. It says that it is not good for man to be alone. Okay, so from the very beginning, God knew that we needed somebody. He said that he created Eve for Adam because he needed a helpmate that was suitable to him. He said to be fruitful and multiply the earth. So that was God's intention for family. But then we have this scripture. It says this, John 10, 10. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, he wants to slaughter, and he wants to destroy. But this is the good news bit and the bit that I want you to remember. Come on, if you don't know this John 10.10 scripture, if you're not declaring it over your life, I promise you today, if you can grab this scripture, put it in your mouth, it's gonna change some things. But, everyone say but. 
I have come to give you everything in abundance, everything, more than you expect. Life, it's fullness until you overflow. Come on, we know sin is the root cause of dysfunction. Sin makes us think that we can do things, that we can build a family our own way. But we know from the beginning of time, we were not created to do things our own way. We were meant to do things the way God intended. And I'm telling you in every area of our life, and in particularly in our family life, we are called to have a life of abundance, a family life that we love, that overflows with joy. Come on, that is an alignment with the John 10.10 promise of why he died on the cross. And I'm telling you, I'm determined I'm going to do everything I can in my life and as a pastor to help you to not settle for having a life that's hashtag dysfunction junction. But come on, that we would have a community here full of hashtag family goals. So that is the title of my message this afternoon. Hashtag family goals. Come on, going from messed up to blessed up. I got quite winded doing that, full disclosure. All right, let's pray before we get into this. God, we thank you that you are here today, God. And God, wherever your presence is, there is freedom. God, I just declare right now, I even prophesy into the atmosphere, God. God, that there's gonna be freedom coming to households this afternoon. God, there's gonna be generational curses, God, broken as your truth comes and sets people free. God, I think you're gonna establish new normals in regard to the abundance of expectation we have in regard to our family health. God, we give you all the honour and all the praise this afternoon. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. All right, so if I passed out some uh, bits of paper in here and I said, I want everybody to write down what are the top five things that you would want people to say about your family or you want to say about your family. I guarantee this thing would probably come up on everyone's. So this is the first family goal I want to talk about this afternoon that we're all, I know, as parents, as people that are part of a family, would love to say is a reflection of their family. It's this. Family goal number one, that we all get along. That we all get along. Who wants to get along with their family? How many people say that's still a work in progress? All right. A few people working on their honesty this morning. Pray for them, Jesus. How do you know that maybe the family goal of getting along isn't quite realized? Is maybe these things in your family. Maybe you could just have a little bit of an assessment of your family this afternoon and see if any of these line up with your family. Maybe there's a culture of anger-filled communication. Maybe rather than just talking at each other, there's more yelling than there's talking. And you know, anger can look different. Just because some anger's expressed, there's a lot of anger that actually gets repressed. And I'm telling you, both are just as dangerous as each other. Maybe we've got a lot of culture and families where people are denying, they're in denial. They're actually putting on a smiling face, but the truth is inside, they're churning up. They're not really getting on. Everything that person's saying, that, that uncle, that sibling, that mum, that dad, doesn't really matter what it is, is making them feel inside like, oh, I just can't handle you. Come on, there's, whether you're saying it or not saying it, there can be cultures of not getting along in our family. And then what about this one? What about estrangement? You know, as a pastor and just a human on this planet, I can't help but notice there is more and more stories of people that say, you know what, I actually haven't talked to my dad in seven years. I have a brother, but I don't even know where he's living right now. Like, I don't know about you, but I've noticed that's becoming way more common. Like, that's not shocking anymore. You know, as I was kind of looking into this, um, the World Health Organization, who was saying that the prevalence of people that actually spend the holiday season, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, by themselves is skyrocketing. And you know, that doesn't happen without consequence. 
Did you know, I think this is pretty common knowledge, that around this season, this is one of the highest peaks of suicide that not just our nation has, but nations around the world. People that are isolated, that are estranged from the communities that they were born into, finding themselves dealing with depression without anyone there to take them in, to put their arm around them. I'm telling you, estrangement is robbing our world. And it's all around the fact that families have chosen not to get along. And as a result, they've been estranged. So listen, that's pretty sobering. But who knows that there's good news. There's always good news in Jesus. And let me share some of it to do today. So there's a couple of like practical things I want to give you, give myself of what we can do to really ensure that our families are going to be places where we get along together. Are you ready for this? Who's got their notepad? Who's writing some stuff down? Come on, we don't spectate church, we participate church, and I preach faster if you yell back, side note. Okay, so number one, you want to get along with your family this Thanksgiving season? Then this is a great tip for you. You need to fight like an adult, not a child. Just going to let that settle in. Okay, the Bible's going to back me up right here. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11. When I was a child... I talk like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, how many men do we have in here? How many women do we have in here? Okay, so this is everybody. So when I became a man or a woman, I put away, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Okay, this is a little bit sensitive, but I think you would agree with me. We got a whole lot of adults acting like kids in regard to how we operate relationally, not just in our family, but outside of their family. And sadly, I can't even just look at you and say, it's your problem. I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm a 35-year-old woman that at times, very rarely, very rarely, acts a little bit like a five-year-old. So listen, I'm preaching to myself right here. What are some characteristics of, of adults that are acting like kids? Maybe it looks like, talking over each other and not listening. I never do that though, do I? Never. Well, okay. <laughs> Maybe it looks like annoying someone for no real reason. Okay, this happens a lot in my household. Can I just say, my kids have taken to taking the stealing the remote so neither of them can watch TV. Well, that's just mean, but you know, that's a, that's a kid thing right there. It looks like tantrums. It looks like pity parties. It looks like giving someone the silent treatment. That's a classic right there. It looks like throwing things, slamming doors. Come on, these are all characteristics you would see in a kindergarten classroom. But sadly, it's probably the characteristics that you might see in a lot of homes this Thanksgiving week. There's some families that if you put a kindergarten classroom and that living room on the same screen, you might not be able to tell the difference due to the behaviours displayed by both. So how many people are guilty of any of those actions? How about rather than using your hand to lift it, why don't you write this down? This will help you. We have to grow up. Come on, that's a word from the Lord for us all this morning. Come on, that first Corinthian scripture is so clear. When I became a man, I put the things of childhood behind me. Come on, we have to, particularly as believers. Come on, we can't stay stuck in childish ways because we have matured in the natural, but so many of us are still needing to, I'm speaking to myself here, mature in the emotional. I'm telling you, most ish um, that I think encountered with families is because you've got two emotionally immature people going at it. Neither person is actually choosing to act like the adult that they are. Come on, let's not be a church that settles for that. Let's be the adult God has called us to be. Amen? All right, so that's tip number one. Act like an adult, not a child. 
writing that down. All right, number two of something that will help us get along is we need to let things go. Come on, let's do a little bit of Frozen this morning. Let it go. Someone was always going to do it. I figured it was you, Shannon. (laughs) Ephesians 4 verse 26 says this, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Listen, you're going to hear in church a whole lot about the word forgiveness. You know why you're going to hear it a lot? Because the Bible talks about it a lot. Why does the Bible talk about a lot? Because he knows we're going to have plenty of opportunities as a human doing life with other humans to forgive. I'm telling you, you cannot walk on this planet for more than two seconds and not find yourself probably offended, probably talked to the wrong way, something wrong done to you. But listen, God knew that was all there and it didn't matter. He still has encouraged us to let things go. You know, there's there's a scripture in the Bible that says, where there is unity, it commands a blessing. Isn't it so like the devil to the scheme of the devil to have us disunified in our families, to have people so bent out of shape with offence towards each other without letting things go, but it literally puts a wall up for the blessing of our family. I'm telling you, this stuff is important. This isn't a good idea. This is a God idea. There is too many people that are being robbed from the harvest due to their family because of an inability to let go, to forgive each other and extend grace. Can I say this? I'm not saying this flippantly. Is there some really bad stuff that's happened to people in this room? Statistically, I have no doubt. Has somebody said something wrong to you, done something wrong? Yes. But does God know that? Yes. Did he still say forgive? He did. Would it be easy? No. Is it going to cost you something? Yes, it will. But can I tell you the reason why God will always bring you to a place of forgiveness? Because he knows that your unforgiveness is just going to mess you up. And just like my title says, he wants us to take us this morning from messed up to blessed up. And he knows if he can get you unified, even with him, maybe not with the person who offended you, but even with him, there's a blessing that can come that when you have division with someone, Somebody could never. Proverbs 24.9 says this. This is a great scripture. And I'm like, this was written, you know, thousands of years ago, but oh my goodness, is this relevant for today? This scripture says this. Do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. Like even thousands of years ago, God knew that we would need this warning. So if you ask God, why would you ask me to forgive them? That's so unfair. I'm telling you, this scripture is a warning to us because I'll tell you what happens when you leave unforgiveness in your heart. It actually will leave you prone to feelings of revenge, of holding a grudge towards somebody. And I'm telling you, no good thing comes from those. No good thing comes from revenge. Um, there's There's this incredible story in the Bible, which I don't have time to read today, but I would encourage you to read it in Mark chapter six if you hadn't, haven't yet. It's about a lady by the name of Herodias. And she got herself offended by John the Baptist. Side note, John the Baptist was just telling her the truth. But, you know, that's a message for another time. But she got herself so offended. And rather than letting it go, what happened is when her daughter had an opportunity to access blessing that would be a generational blessing for for generations to come, rather than giving her daughter good advice that would lead her towards blessing, what she did was she passed on a secondhand offence. Can I tell you, secondhand offence, just like smoking, is way worse than firsthand offence. As parents, as anybody that's influencing younger generations, we got to let stuff go before we lead the generations underneath us into a place where they too are robbed from blessing. 
And for those that know the story, let me just fill you in quickly. So what happens is her daughter has an opportunity to have anything she wants. But rather than asking for, she could have up to half the kingdom. Instead, she asked for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. That happens. And you know how the story ends? But the whole family is robbed from the blessing. They end up being banished. I'm telling you, revenge doesn't lead anywhere good. Come on, let's be people that know how to let things go. Amen? All right, you ready for one more? Okay, you want to get along with your family this Thanksgiving season and beyond? Then we need to speak to and speak about each other nicely. We need to be nice. I love that this is a simple point, but I think the world, I need a t-shirt that just says, people, be nice to each other. I think that would sell. We need a nice revolution, I feel, in 2020. What are we? 2019. There we are. There we are. Truth is, being angry at people is really easy to do. It's really easy to do. But you know what's also easy to do? Is let that be their problem and you still choose to be nice. It's actually not as complicated as sometimes we make it. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says this, do not let any, everyone say any, unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. It's a moment to Sila. Maybe there's a, something the Holy Spirit's whispering to you about some, some areas where some unwholesomeness might have come. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit, everyone say benefit, those who listen. Come on, the Bible is imploring us. Come on, it's tasking us, it's guiding us. Be people that say things that are of benefit to somebody else. Every one of us here would be guilty of saying things that aren't from a place of actually wanting to help, but a place of hindering. Come on, let's receive that word in our spirit. Let's ask that the Holy Spirit can help compel our speech to be the speech that always is a blessing to someone rather than a curse. Amen? It's getting quiet in here. All right, so we want to achieve hashtag family goals in 2020 or even this holiday season. Do we want everybody to be getting along? And some tips, fight like an adult, not a child, let things go, speak to and about each other nicely. Does that sound good? All right, can you handle one more? Right answer, right answer. All right, family goal number two that I think every person in this room would say that they wanted to say about their own family or have somebody say it about them is that in our family, we help each other. In our family, we help each other. How many people would like to say that about their family? Okay, most of you. The rest of you, we'll work on it. Stick with me here, okay. So how can we do that? How can we have a family that helps each other? There, I'm telling you, there is way too many stories of families where in times when things get tough, their family is like the last place they want to go. Often it's because it's their family that's causing the trouble in the first place. I'm telling you, God wants to reverse that. There's a scripture in, found in Proverbs 17 verse 17, and it says this. A dear friend will love you no matter what, and a family sticks together through all kinds of trouble. A family sticks together through all kinds of trouble. And I'm telling you today, I'm talking about family in the natural, but I'm also talking about family in the church too. But how often when trouble comes, sometimes people feel it's the opposite of sticking together, that when those moments come, they feel alone, they feel without people surrounding them. But this scripture here tells me that the purpose of family from the very beginning is that when trouble comes, and it will, that you're going to have a whole surrounding people around you that are going to help you. So how do we achieve this help of each other? Come on, number one, A, we need to cheer each other on rather than compete. 
cheer each other on rather than compete. I'm telling you, you weren't put into your family to be a critic, you were put there to be a cheerleader. And I think this is particularly prevalent in marriages. Like sometimes even saying this message, if I can be transparent, I really felt the Holy Spirit saying, Emma, I didn't give you to Drew to be his critic, I gave you to be his cheerleader. Good news for you. (laughs) Come on, as wives, we were designed to be the cheerleaders in our home, not the critic. We were designed that for our brothers, for our extended families, for the family members in this church. Come on, we can't get it confused why God gave us each other. It was actually to help each other. You know, this has been a problem since the very beginning of the Word of God. So one of the very first stories the Bible talks about is it involves sibling rivalry, which can I say competition is rife around families. I am an only child, so I don't have any maybe firsthand experience of sibling rivalry, but I am raising siblings. And I'm telling you, even at four and six, I'm like, oh, there's that sin nature coming out to play. And there is actually uh, some some classic stories. I'm going to throw my husband a little bit uh, under the bus right now. Some classic stories from his childhood. I laugh when I hear about it. His sister tells me even when they were young, he used to like, because there was a bit of a competition, I think, for mum and dad's attention. He used to um, pretend to be dead so his sister would freak out. (laughs) Judge him. No, not really. I'm here to to cheerlead, not, not, not critique. Come on, there's so many. You have probably a million of your own stories. When unhealthy competition comes into the home, rather than um, siblings that are there to help each other, you've got siblings telling on other siblings, siblings doing things so they get the attention, siblings getting bent out of shape because uh, uh, their brother or sister is getting to do something they didn't do. Come on, all this stuff is really real. And as I said, from the very beginning of the Bible, it talked about sibling rivalry. Come on, we know some brothers right at the beginning, Cain and Abel. Does anyone know what happened in that story? Yeah, that's right. Two brothers, even from the beginning of time, had so much bent out of shapeness in regard to competition, it ended in one brother murdering the other. And then there's Joseph in the Bible. A lot of people know that. Come on, his brothers were so jealous by the favor he had from his father that rather than deal with it and put themselves in a position of cheerleading, instead, what did they do? They put the guy in a pit and then they sold him to be a slave. And then the poor guy was accused of rape. Come on, that whole story only worked out good because of God, not because of the brothers that had an opportunity to be part of that story, but instead with the villains in the story rather than the heroes. Come on, we need, we need, we need to cheer each other on rather than compete. When God created family, he did it, I'm telling you, so we could be complementers to each other, not competitors. Come on, let's not let the devil dictate what our families are meant to look at, look like. And even right now, I actually just feel an anointing. If you're in, in some kind of... Um, you know, conflict with brothers, sisters, mums, father. I want to pray with you right now. So with every head bowed for a second, let's let's really pray for that. I'm telling you, I feel like there's an anointing for reconciliation to come to homes. If that's you, if you, you're, you're sort of uh, out of relationship with family members due to, due to rivalry, due to, due to any kind of dysfunction, you just lift your hands so I know who I'm praying for right now. Okay, people all over this room. I'm telling you, when I went to prepare this word, I really felt that there is a new day coming for your household. There is a new day. That as you lean in and say, God, I want to get along. As you lean in to act like an adult rather than a child, as you believe big, as you let God heal that unforgiveness in your heart, you are going to get an opportunity to extend that family member reconciliation. God, we prophesy over these households right now. God, what the devil meant for evil, you are going to turn around for good. God, I would be so bold to pray that in the following 
following weeks to come, God, there's gonna be family members sitting right beside these people that have had an encounter with you, God. Father, crazy testimonies of redemption, Father, because people right now are deciding to not let the devil rob from the blessing that is due their family. I just thank you, God, a releasing of reconciliation into these homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, I'm believing big. Can I just encourage you? We, I don't have time to probably go into all the stories, but one of my beautiful friends, Natalie, some of you might know her. She um, was in our church for about a year when similar prayer went up and she believed big to have reconciliation with her dad who she hadn't talked to in nine years. Can I tell you, that dad is now serving in our kids' church here on a Sunday. She has had incredible turnaround in her family for praying a prayer just like all of you did. I'm telling you, our God is faithful. He watches over his word and brings it to completion. Amen. Galatians 5 verse 14 says this, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor or love your brother, love your sister, love your mother, love your father, love your insert your family member here as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, Watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Come on, let's receive that word. Holy Spirit, let us be compelled to love our families the way you do. God, we stand on your word that says love never fails. God, no matter how bad or how far away um, the, the rift is in our family, God, I thank you, Father. You're gonna show us, Lord, how to love people despite that. Okay, the final thing for people that wanna be in a family that helps each other. Can I just say, we need to tell each other the truth. We've got too many families where truth isn't illiteracy of a family. And the Word of God says that it's the truth of God that, that gets us free. So when God removes truth, He's done it in our world, but He also does it in our families. What does a removal of truth look like? It means that you actually can't tell somebody or somebody can't tell you that something's wrong because of the sensitivity. Don't judge me. Don't tell me what you think. But actually what was meant to help you is being pushed away. Can we be people that can receive the truth from the people that love us? I mean, I'm saying have discernment. Not everybody has your best interests at heart and you've got to judge a tree by its fruit. But I do think there has been almost a rebellion to actually hear from people that want to help us. So I'm talking to kids out there that have rejected wisdom from parents. I'm talking about family members that actually might see your blind spot that you can't see. Can we be people that actually receive truth from the right places and have it help us? Proverbs 27 verse 6 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. I'm telling you, some of the greatest saves in my life have come from people that love me telling me the truth. You know, BD days, before Drew days, BD days, I was dating this guy who was cool, but he didn't love Jesus to the point where he was on the same, at the time where he was on the same path to, to what I was called to do. I'm so thankful for, for faithful friends around me who told me the truth. Emma, like that isn't God's best for you. Like you're compromising. I did not wanna hear that. I remember one particular situation, my friend Nicola, if she's listening on podcasts, thank you. I remember her looking at me, really challenging me. Like, Emma, I know you. I know the dreams in your heart. Does this seed line up with the harvest that you want? And I remember being so angry at her. I was like, how dare you judge me? How dare you think? But I look at this now and I'm like, man, the wounds of a friend are faithful. Because without knowing it, that stuck with me. And I went on obviously to break up with him and marry this stud of a man. So that's a good end right there. Come on, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Let's not be so sensitive all the time and receive the truth. 
Amen. All right, last one. Want to be part of a family that helps each other? We need to let them belong. Let them belong. There's this term out there, like if we're looking at a whole bunch of language people use when describing their family, and it's this term. Black sheep of the family. Black sheep of the family. I know this is kind of vulnerable, but how many people have had that term said about them or to them? Okay, a whole bunch of us. Can I give you a bit of a history about that term, black sheep of the family? Did you know that came about because, as you know, some sheep are black, but not most sheep are black. So when a farmer had a black sheep in their herd, that would be really perplexing to them because it was so different from the rest of the herd. So rather, what can you do with a black sheep? You can't dye black fleece. So it was literally that sheep became worthless in the farmer's eyes. So what they would do is they would separate the black sheep from the rest of the herd as if to say, this is different and this is the same. Like that is the origin of that term. Actually really awful when you put it in a human context. But there is a lot of people out there that have been told, you're the black sheep, you're different. You're not like everybody else. And because you're not like everybody else, that makes me question your value to this family. I'm telling you, we have a a massive epidemic of people not knowing that they belong. Can I just say, I'm talking about natural families, but I'm also talking about the church. You know, I want to apologise on behalf of any church or any representative of the house of God that's told you you're a black sheep to the house of God. God is okay for you to belong to His house before you believe. There is not one person that God doesn't put value on because you're different. And God will take you on a journey. And just like I talked about, you know, real healthy families will tell each other the truth. There'll be a moment of truth to maybe some of the things that you're doing, but God would never separate you from the pack and say you're different. You've got a label that makes you less valuable. I'm telling you, I feel strongly that we need to remove that word from our vocabulary. Sheep aren't black sheep. They're just lost sheep. There's no such thing as a bad sheep. That sheep didn't necessarily choose how, you know, they responded. But I'm, I'm telling you, what Jesus does so beautiful is He goes after the one, the sheep that's on the, on the outskirts. And I want us to do the same thing. Can we be a church that lets people belong before they believe everything? Can we be a church that's careful with the labels? Like, you're too much of a sinner. I'm telling you, you can die, you can drown in a puddle as well as a bathtub. What I mean by that is sin is sin. Whether it's a little or a lot, you still all have fallen short of the glory of God. And people need to go on a journey. And it's so much easier to go on a journey towards restoration when you belong to a family that loves you and says your differences aren't gonna make you be pushed aside. They're actually gonna make you further in. When sheep are on the outskirts, I'm telling you, they're way more vulnerable to the prey of the enemy. It's when people, when sheep are on the outskirts, they can walk off a cliff without even knowing because no one's there to yell at them. There's a cliff, be careful. So let's be careful in that terminology of black sheep. Let's never come into agreement with that. If that's been something said over you, come on, every head bowed for a second. If that's been said over you, just lift up your hands right now. God, I just declare right now that Lord, that is a word curse from from hell, God, that says that these people don't belong, that something that you made them, Father, makes them not valuable. God, I just thank you, Father. We remove, Father, the pain attached to that title right now. And God, I thank you. Your word says that that your love washes us as white as snow, God. It comes in and it makes every residue of sin, Father, go away when we surrender to you. God, I just thank you that your healing wounds attached to that word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's have grace for each other. Let's help each other out. Let's extend people the grace that we so wish is extended to us. Come on, we are gonna be a family that helps each other. 
We're going to tell each other the truth. We're going to cheer each other on rather than criticise each other. And as we come to a close this afternoon, the the final family goal that I know I want and I know that you want, because it's a basic desire of every human, and that is to leave a legacy, to leave a legacy. I love this scripture, Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21. It says this, Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay or lose their value. For your heart always pursues what you value as your treasure. For your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. This afternoon, I want to ask myself a question. I want to ask you a question. Do you value the relationships in your family, whether in the natural or whether right here in the house of God, as a treasure? Because if you do see it as the treasure that it is, I'm telling you, it puts a different intentionality behind it. If you have treasure, you look after that treasure. You're aware of where that treasure is. You're mindful of it. And I think that's one of the biggest lies the enemy has, has been able to speak into family culture is that it's not valuable that we can just toss it aside, that we can let it be dysfunctional and it won't bother us. I'm telling you, our family is a treasure. It is a treasure to be in a church family with all of you. And I want my heart to pursue what I value, which is each and every one of you, which is the the family God's asked me to steward. Proverbs 13 verse 22 says this, a good life gets passed on to your grandchildren. A good life gets passed on to your grandchildren. You know, I'm a young mum. But I'm telling you, I'm already thinking about the legacy I want to leave for my kids. I don't know if any of you saw it. I had my my little Georgia Grace down here earlier worshipping. And I just was thinking, I love that at six years old, she's been exposed to this. Teach your children the way they should go and they won't depart from it. Come on, dedicating all these babies up here earlier. Come on, these kids, this is going to be their normal. A house of God that's fun. A house of God that preaches the truth. A house of God where they can belong no matter where they're at in their journey. Come on, I want to store up a good life for my grandchildren. There's a Word of God that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want my life to to put a banquet for my ancestors that says, look, I can see because of my grandma, because of my mom, whoever I am to them, that God is good and God is faithful. Come on, that's a desire of my heart, but I know it would be a desire of every parent in here. Let's always think generational in our approach to family. You know, so often in family, in church, when we talk about generations, sometimes we can think about the past, about, we use the term generational curses, which I'm telling you is valid. And there is always going to be a season of a Christian journey where you'll have to look at some of the baggage that came with the family you were born into. But can I tell you, our focus is never meant to be on the curses that our family give us. It's meant to be on the responsibility we have to store up a blessing for our family. Come on, let's be more intentional about generational blessing than we ever are about generational curses. Every one of us in here has an opportunity to have a storehouse of generational blessing to feed our future families. Like that's incredible. That inspires me today. Come on, we can have a legacy of hashtag family goals. There's this, as I'm coming to an end, there's this beautiful story in the Bible of Rahab. And for those that don't know the story, she was definitely a black sheep. She definitely was far removed from God's intention of family. She was a prostitute. When it just happened that her life collided with two men of God. And you know what happened with a lady then from that point who when she encountered God made a decision to be intentional about creating legacy in her life? Do you know what happened? She went from being a prostitute to being somebody who through her lineage of grace 
produced Jesus Christ. Did you know out of Rahab came Jesus Christ? Like that is crazy. God took what was a cursed lineage and through His grace created a pathway for Jesus to be able to come on this planet. I'm telling you what God can do with people who are intentional about seeing their family blessed. Come on, what God can do with people that are way more focused on generational blessing than they are on generational curse. Come on, you are not, you don't have to be stuck and worried about all the things that are ish in your family. Instead, your eyes can focus on a God who wants to bless your family abundantly. All right, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I wanna pray right now for every family in this room. God, I can feel you moving across hearts. God, I pray, Father, I didn't come up here today, Father, just to inspire people. Father, I came to throw out the Word of God. And Father, I just thank you right now that that Word has hit people's heart and is gonna be like a seed that's gonna produce mighty harvests in families, God. God, we just thank you, Father. People that are in dysfunction junction right now, They've gotten off the train, they're, they're stopped there. God, I thank you that people are boarding the train to the abundant life that you talked about in John 10, 10. And God are determining that as for them and their household, they're gonna serve the Lord, that they're gonna be the curse breaker of their family, that in their lineage, Father, good things are gonna come, that the Jesus Christ is gonna be realised because of their intentionality, Father, to focusing on storing up blessings for their family. God, right now, every household, right now, blessing, 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 I stand against any demonic agenda that would come and rob for the abundance of joy and laughter and life in these homes. God, I even declare over this Thanksgiving season, God, for people in this room that are actually dreading that day, dreading sitting around a table, God. Lord, I thank You that it's gonna be restored back to them this year, Father. God, that which the devil has taken, God, You are gonna give back to them, God. God, I declare laughter around tables, God. I declare men and women that are married enjoying this holiday season together, God. Kids honouring their parents, parents. God, moments, Father, where Your Name is glorified in these homes. God, I just declare blessing, blessing, blessing over every house in Jesus' Name. And then one more group of people I want to pray for before we finish up. We don't let a service go by where we don't ask anybody that is far from God to come close to Him. But we don't ask anyone that has not made a decision yet to become a believer, to say yes to Jesus. We want to always make space for that. Because I'm telling you, that's the whole point of why we do church so lost sheep can be found, so lost sheep can begin to hear the voice of the shepherd. So if you're in this room, we don't have a huge amount of time, but you're far from God, that you know that you need to make a decision today to become a Christian, to say yes to Jesus, to become part of the the body of Christ, to take your place alongside your brothers and sisters in the house of God. If that's you this afternoon, I wanna pray for you. If there's anyone like that in the room, could you just lift your hand so I could pray for you? Anyone far from God? Thank you, I see your hand, I see your hand. Come on, draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Thank you, hands all over this place. God, I thank you that you see those hands. God, I thank you, Father, that as they lean into you, God, as they accept the free gift of salvation that you give, God, as they repent of their sins, God, I thank you, salvation is coming to their households. God, that you're rewriting the script of families today. God, there is gonna be lineages of grace that are started today because of the decisions made in the heart of these people that are responding. God, I thank you. Salvation, salvation is coming to these households. In Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 